Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. And the title for today, it's Jesus for President. Joshua 1, verses 1 and 2. Joshua is a prophetic type uh, and picture of Jesus. Not only, and we'll see this, not only is Joshua a picture of Jesus, but it's also the Israelites' journey into the promised land is a picture of us reaching our spiritual potential. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the worship today, and thank you for bringing each one of us here, leading us into the book of Joshua, preparing our hearts for the, the life you've called us to live and for the battles you've called us to fight in our country. We just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, as you saw the little history here, Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible. Sixth book of the Old Testament, sixth book of the Bible. We start out with Genesis. Genesis is all about beginnings, that's what it literally means. Uh, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we have the beginning, we have creation, we have in Genesis then the fall of man's sin, we have the flood, God's judgment, we have faith, God uh, sending Abraham to show us what uh, faith, how he was going to redeem this earth and faith. Genesis 15, 6, Abraham, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Right in the book of Genesis we see faith taught very clearly. It's always been faith. Faith didn't start with Christ. Faith started at the beginning with Genesis. It's always been faith. We find Abraham has chosen. He's called. He's called to send the Messiah, Jesus Christ, through. Genesis 12, 3. We've looked at this many times. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, so we see that the call that that God is going to bless the entire earth through the Messiah, through the Jewish people and through the Messiah. Then we get to Exodus and the people we find have been taken captive by the Egyptians. They're in bondage. We all know Moses, let my people go. It's a picture of us being set free from bondage to sin. Exodus 19, 5 and 6, the call of the Israelites to the Old Testament mission that they have. Uh, we'll start with there. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He says, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were called to be a kingdom of priests. They were, that was the Old Testament mission. They were to show the entire world what the one true God, who he was and, and how he expected his people to live. It's the same call we have today in 1 Peter 2.9. Peter says, echoing the very verse, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We, we are God's chosen people. We are now to to carry that message. To, to the world. In Leviticus, then we go from Genesis, Exodus to Leviticus, which is all about holiness, how to live holy, which was the whole point. God was calling them out to live holy so the people would see them and say, wow, they're different. There's something different about this nation. It must be their God. 
And that's what God has called us to do. Leviticus 19.1 Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. We are called to that holiness. So people look at us, they will see that we're different from the world. Then we get to Numbers. And in Numbers, they, they're counting the people as they're getting ready to go in the promised land. But they were faithless. They disobeyed God. They wouldn't go in. So they wandered for 40 years in the desert until that whole generation had died off. The younger generation came up. They were recounted and ready to go in this time. And then Deuteronomy we come to Deuteronomy where they get a second chance they're recalled it's a second chance the sec- Deuteronomy the second law the second time that the law is given to God's people and, they're, and they, they renew the covenant and then the book of Deuteronomy ends with the death of Moses which brings us to Joshua the book of Joshua and to Joshua and we find a very crazy story in the book of Joshua Israel is ready to take the land that God has promised them they're finally ready and this is really a type. It's a complete type. As we've already mentioned, Joshua is a type of Jesus. It's a type. A type is an Old Testament picture with a New Testament meaning. Something that happens physically in the Old Testament that is fulfilled spiritually in the New Testament. It has a whole different application. It's a spiritual application. And this book mirrors our battle. It's, but we don't, we're not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual battle. It mirrors our battle here completely mirrors our battle, but this is not conventional warfare. If you went to West Point, this is, they don't teach this strategy at West Point. God does things very, very differently than, than man does them. Uh, but remember, this is all about, as, we, as you study this book and as we study this together, remember, it's all about our spiritual battle and how to live in spiritual victory. Joshua 1, let's start, here we go. This is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. You can tell I'm excited to be in here again. Joshua 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Moses is dead. He doesn't get into the promised land. Why? Well, to understand the reason why, in Exodus 17, the people are very thirsty. They're thirsty out in the desert. So God, he says, God, Moses says, God, the people are thirsty. So God says, take your staff and strike the rock. And when you strike the rock, water's going to come out. And he did. He hits the rock and water comes gushing out, fed all the people. Huge river comes gushing out. But then later in Numbers chapter 20, the people are really thirsty again. But this time they're really whining. Think about your kids in the back of the car, you're driving down to Florida or something, and they're just whining, whining, whining. Thirsty, thirsty. All these people, huge multitude of people, whining. And God says, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. Don't hit it. He says, speak to the rock. But Moses has lost his patience. He, he has lost his temper. And instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He hit it. He hit the rock. And water came out. But the result was Moses was not allowed into the promised land. Wait a minute. Have you ever read the story about Genesis, I mean Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Moses, after all he went through with these ungrateful people, and he's not allowed into the, after all he put up with, and he's not allowed into the promised land? That doesn't seem fair, does it? Doesn't seem fair. But for the answer to that, we have to go to 1 Corinthians 10. 
First, I told you it's all over the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. And the Apostle Paul, speaking through the Holy Spirit, says they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. The manna is a picture of Jesus. It's, Jesus was the bread from heaven. Remember John chapter 6? We studied that. And the rock is also a picture of Jesus. The rock that was struck to get the water out was a type of Jesus Christ. And the first time the rock was struck, that is a picture of what? The crucifixion. Jesus was struck. That was the crucifixion. Okay? But only once. The second time God didn't say, strike the rock. He said, speak to the rock. Speak to Jesus. And that's when we put our faith in Jesus and we receive the water. We receive the Holy Spirit. We drink of the water of that, that, that is, that's endless that he talks about. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst again. The Holy Spirit. We get, and when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. And... The first time he's crucified, the second time we only have to speak to him. Jesus was sacrificed once for all. Once for all. And now we just have to put our faith in him. Hebrews, over and over, Hebrews 10, Jesus Christ crucified once for all. We, just, we speak and we put our faith in him. But Moses, by hitting the rock the second time, what did he do? He crucified Jesus a second time. And that is a big no-no. That goes for us today, too. We also can do the same thing. In fact, there's a very serious warning in the book of Hebrews about this very thing. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, now listen to this. Connect the dots here. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Woo! Wow. Now, does this mean we can lose our salvation? We put our faith in Jesus. We receive the Holy. Does this mean we can lose our salvation? Well, I wouldn't chance it. <laughs> That's why I tell people who are living like the devil, and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation. I'm like, I wouldn't chance it. Now, I'm, I'm 90% sure we can't lose our salvation, but I wouldn't chance it. But for sure, we do know from this passage, for sure, if we fall away, Fall away from our faith. Like Moses, we will miss out on our spiritual blessings. Because we are striking the rock a second time. We're following Christ and we just walk away. And some of you have done that. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it, 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 it's like we are striking the rock a second time. We are crucifying Jesus Christ all over again. By our life, we are bringing disgrace on Jesus Christ. By our life, that's what we're doing. And we're wasting his death. We are wasting the Holy Spirit. We're wasting what the Holy Spirit has done with us through Christ. We're wasting his death for us. It's like we're, we're walking up to the communion table and just spilling the stuff and knocking it over and disregarding it. That's what we're doing. Another type, that's one type, something really to wrestle with, right? Another type which applies here, and this is a, a good one too, 
is that Moses represents what? Moses is the, the law, the Ten Commandments. You know, you all saw the movie, right? The Ten Commandments. He represents the law. Joshua, who does Joshua represent? Jesus. Joshua is Hebrew. Guess what the Greek form of Joshua is? Jesus. They're, they're the same. He represents Jesus. Uh, it means God saves. God is salvation. God saves. And that's why Jesus came. That's what Joshua was showing us, right? Now, now follow this now. This is wild. Joshua replaced Moses, right? Moses didn't go in. Joshua replaced him. Jesus replaced Moses' law. Even more than that, he didn't exactly replace it. He fulfilled it. It was fulfilled and completed through Jesus. Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He fulfilled it. In fact, in Romans 10.4, it also says, Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. He's the end of the law. But the word there for end doesn't mean like complete end. It means the goal. The ending goal. Christ is the ending goal of the law. He, 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 he fulfilled the goal. He achieved, he accomplished the law's goal. How did he do that? He lived a holy life. He lived perfect. He never broke the law. And that was the whole point of the law, is to show people how to live holy. Jesus did that. He never broke the law. The Son of God never broke the law. And then he was the perfect sacrifice. He satisfied the law. The law has been broken by every one of us. But Jesus sacrificed himself because he never broke the law. He was able to do that. He sacrificed himself. He was the perfect sacrifice. He paid for our sin. He was our, he ransomed us. He was our substitute. He died in our place. That's what communion is all about. Remembering the, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That he died in our place. He was our, our substitute. Joshua did what Moses could not do. He took the people into the promised land. Moses couldn't take them in. He could not get past the river Jordan. The river Jordan means judgment. That's what it literally means, spreading judgment. And Moses could not take them across. He did what Moses couldn't do. Joshua did what Moses couldn't do. He took them to the promised land. Jesus did what Moses' law could not do. He saved us and sanctified us. The law cannot save us and it can't sanctify us, make us like Christ, make us holy. Only Jesus could do that. The law can only take us to the river. It can only take us to the Jordan where we face judgment, but it can't take us past it. In fact, in Romans 3.20 it says, Therefore no one, would, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. It can't make us righteous. It can just show us our sin. That's all it can do. Law cannot take us past that. Only Jesus can take us past the River Jordan. And it's by faith. It's by faith. As we're going to see when we get to that story in Joshua chapter 3, it took a step of faith to get through that river. Only faith can get us through. But back to Romans 3, 20. Therefore, no one would be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we be come conscious of sin, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference. 
only through faith in Jesus. Only Joshua could take them into the land. Only Jesus can save us and sanctify us. Only he can do it. It's amazing. So it's just an amazing picture that we're going to be studying here as we go through Joshua. It's all about Jesus. This amazing type. But there's also another very important lesson in addition to the type. There's a very important lesson that I think we can learn from these verses. Back to Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it again. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So, a very important lesson on dependence. This is God's corporate takeover. You ever been part of a corporate takeover? You know what I'm talking about. This is God's coup d'etat. This is a coup d'etat, but it's God's coup d'etat. I mean, imagine this. Imagine we're getting ready to go to war. That's not hard to imagine, is it? And let's say the president says, General Powell, we want you to come out of retirement. And uh, we'll forgive all the email. I'm not going to go there. Anyway, uh, come out of retirement. And, and you, we want you to plan this invasion. We're going to invade North Korea. We'll make it a safe one. North Korea. And... Uh, and so he plans the whole invasion. He gets all ready. He gets the guys in the ship. He's ready to cross the ocean with everybody in the planes. And, and at the last minute, the president replaces him with an aide. Can you imagine that? Well, yes, we kind of can imagine that, can't we? But anyway, yeah, can, you, can you imagine? That, that was crazy. Last minute, Joshua must have thought, a new leader? Are you kidding me, God? Are you kidding me? I mean, Moses was very popular. He was president for 40 years. And he didn't exactly walk on water, but he did walk through water. Remember? You saw the Moses, Charlton Edson, you know, the water parts. He walked through water. He was, he was, he, this guy was an amazing leader. But God was sending them a very clear message. In addition to the type, he's sending them a very important spiritual message. Israel, is your faith in a man or me? Who are you trusting in, a man or God? Because God, not man, will help you take this land. It's dependence. And this is a message we need to take to heart, don't we? There are far too many churches that are dependent on a pastor. And when that pastor goes, so does the church. You've probably been part of those churches, haven't you? You've seen it many, many times. I hope I get to retire here. But if God sends me somewhere else, or if God takes me home, I hope the church doesn't miss a beat. I hope it keeps moving forward, reaching this area for Christ. The same goes for many individuals. I see so many, I've been in ministry a long time now, over 30 years, and I've seen so many individuals that are only strong as long as there's a certain person in their life, another somebody spiritual person in their life. Uh, as long as a certain pastor there is, a youth pastor is there, and as soon as that youth pastor goes, every the kids all you know scatter and they all just start living worldly. Or uh, or as long as they're with their parents, you know they're they're doing great. But as soon as they go off to college, poof, you know, they jump off the spiritual cliff because they were only strong as long as their parents were there. They were dependent on their parents. Or maybe it's a friend or a boyfriend or girlfriend, and they break up, and next thing you know they're gone. Or or a, a, a a spouse, as long as that spouse is there, or just think of anybody that so many times I've seen people are dependent spiritually on somebody other than God. But God often moves us or moves them 
or removes them for a lot of different reasons, removes them. And, and when that happens, it's important that we understand that one of the reasons, I don't know all the reasons, but one of the reasons is he's weaning us off of that person. He's weaning us off of being dependent on a man so that we can become dependent on God alone. And isn't that what happens? Think of our own lives when, when someone moves or we lose someone that we love very much. What happens in our life? We turn to God in a whole new way. A whole new way. I think we are also, this lesson on dependence, I think we are all learning this lesson with the presidential election, aren't we? If this election is teaching us anything, anything, it's that we must depend on God alone. Because only God, no man or woman, can save this country. It's going to have to be God. It's going to take a revival in the church. That's why I said Jesus for president. <laughs> and no matter who's elected as president, whoever, on Tuesday, whoever is elected as president, it really doesn't matter to us if we're depending on God. Because whoever is elected, we know that, we know that God is still on the throne. And he's in charge. It doesn't matter who's the president of the United States, who's head of the UN, who's the... It doesn't matter. Who, who's on the Supreme Court? It doesn't matter. We know who heads up the real Supreme Court. We know who's really on the throne. In fact, in Psalm 11, verse 3, it says, When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Does that describe our country or what? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. He observes the sons of men. His eyes examine them. God is still in charge. And he knows what's going on. He doesn't need to read WikiLeaks. He doesn't need to have somebody uncover an email scam. He doesn't need an old video from somebody's life. He knows everything that's gone on and going on in our lives too. He knows. And that's why either way, as a, as a Christian, either way, we're going to still be okay. No matter what happens. If we're depending on and trusting in God. And, and even if, and, and there's, even if, the person that maybe you want to get elected gets elected. That doesn't mean we say, oh, good, that person's elected. Now I can just relax for the next four years because my, my candidate got in. No, 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 no. No, no, no. We still have to be dependent on God and battle just as much. And the same thing happens if the candidate that we don't want gets elected. We don't get all down and depressed and discouraged and say, oh, it's over. It's all over. No, because we're depending on God. It doesn't matter who the president is. We know who's on the throne. And we still have to be just as diligent and, and dependent on God to really change our life and to change our church and to change our country. It's all God. Are we depending on our Joshua? Are we depending on Jesus? Have we learned to depend on him what has God done in our life to even deepen that dependence? Maybe moved us or removed someone to draw us even closer. Do we depend on God 
do we depend on God, do we depend on Jesus, our Joshua, in our marriage, in our families, in our temptations, the, our, our needs that we have, true needs, the, the, our loneliness, our depression, our fear, sickness, death, with our, in our school, our, our college, with our sports, with our career, with our job? Do we depend on him in every way? Are we completely depending on him? Are we depending on him? That's what living by faith is all about. That's what it means to live by faith is that complete dependence. Galatians 2.20, another good one to memorize. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. We're saved by faith but we live by faith. That complete dependence. And that's what communion is. Communion is just a reminder that he gave his body and blood and that we need to completely Commune with him. Be connected to him. Be dependent on him. But the first step, the first step before we go to communion is we have to be saved by faith. We can't live by faith until we've been saved by faith. That's the first step. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? That word is much deeper than intellectual understanding. It means to put your heart's faith in. It means to completely cling to and depend on. Have you ever given your complete trust to Jesus? We cannot get to God. We cannot get right to God by following Moses. We can't do it by following the law. We can't do it by being good enough. We can't do it by good works. We can't do it by jumping through religious hoops, you know, and jumping through hoops and these religious hoops that people try to put up to say, oh, you'll get close to God if you do that. No, we can't do it. It's only Joshua can get us into the promised land. It's only Jesus by putting our faith in Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law. He was the perfect sacrifice. He died in our place on that cross for us to pay for our sin. That's what communion is all about. That's a picture of what it's all about. That rock was struck for us. Jesus was struck for us, but now we don't have to strike it again. We just have to speak to the rock. We just have to speak to Jesus. We have to put our faith in Jesus. In the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the water will flow out. It's the blood of Christ that will wash us clean, and then we're going to have that living water. The Holy Spirit will come inside of us and fill us, and the Spirit of Christ will be in us, and we'll have a new life now and forever. Now and forever. Eternal life doesn't start when we go to heaven someday. It starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus. That begins our eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? And that's what communion is all about. As we go to communion now, what it is 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 the bread represents the body of Christ. The, The cup represents the blood of Christ. And we just, in a few moments, we just have some worship music playing and people can come up. And, and, and take it, and you can go back to your seat and take it with your family or a friend. You can take it all by yourself. There's no right or wrong way. It's between you and God, however you feel led to take communion. The only reasons why you shouldn't take it is two things. One is if you've never put your faith in Christ, then you should wait. Or if you have put your faith in Christ and there's something in your life that you will not surrender... Notice I didn't say sin because we all have sin in our life. But it's, I'm ta- this is a time to confess that sin and ask for extra grace and extra help. But if there's something you say, ah, you can't have this, God, then don't take it. Don't take it in an unworthy way. Very, very important. 
But I hope that everyone will confess. Everybody will make things right. And you will be able to commune. And, and I hope that if you're close to putting your faith in Christ, today's the day you take that step. If not, it's okay. You're seeking, you're searching, that's okay. We do this every month. There's no pressure on that. But if the Holy Spirit is leading you to put your faith in Jesus today, giving your life to Jesus today, then do it today and start communing today. This is just a reminder that we can, once we put our faith in Christ, we can commune with him anytime. We can talk to him anytime. That's just, this is just a reminder of that. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Maybe here today you've never put your faith in Christ and, and the Holy Spirit is calling you to do that right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He gave his one and only Son that was, died on the cross for us. He was struck. The rock was struck so that we could speak to him in faith putting our faith in Jesus you can pray that prayer of faith right now you don't need a ritual you don't need a religious rite you don't need someone to help you do this it's between you and God you can go right to God the Father through his son Jesus just say God I I ask you to forgive my sin. Everything wrong I've ever done, anything that goes against your word or your law, please forgive me. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I I repent of that old life, that sin, the garbage. I repent of it. And I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. Forgive me. I put my faith in you, God, and I'm going to follow Jesus now. If you have prayed the prayer of faith and given your life to Jesus, then you have just spoken to the rock and Jesus has filled you with his Holy Spirit You're going to be in for the shock of your life. Your life will never be the same. You have a brand new life now. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Or if you're here by yourself, let me know. Tell me on the way out. Let somebody know. Fill out the card. Text me. Call me. Let somebody know. So that we can encourage you. Be excited for you. Believe me, we will be. And we can encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. But now you can commune with God any time through Jesus. You can go to him any time as your father through Jesus. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What do we need to clear up between God so that we can have pure communion with him. Maybe there's a struggle in our life that we 
need to really depend on Jesus for? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us about living in complete dependence on our Joshua, on Jesus Christ? Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take your word and as we commune with you now, that your Holy Spirit would fill us in a special way, empowering us to live for Jesus and like Jesus. I pray that everyone here, whatever their journey, whatever they're on, that everyone here who has heard the word of Christ today would come to faith if they aren't there yet and, and find life in you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.